1: Stupid-ass Wordle game I find myself now playing
0: every single day. Well, it can't be that stupid. So you're one of the ones that has gotten obsessed and sucked in by Wordle. I I need to do this. I've seen it, and it is addicting. I know that. Miles Simmons and I go back
1: and forth about this all the time. Nobody cares about the fact that you did Wordle, you solved Wordle, or how many tries it took you to do it. No one cares. They care even less about that than they care about your fantasy team. They care even less about how you did on wordle Oh, someone's been reading my tweets today oh yeah (laughs) yes i creep on your page as my kid would say i follow you your tweets (laughs) pop up i must know how many tries it took you to get wordle every single day of my life
0: well, it was five today, which uh, was, you know, I don't know if we should. I don't and I don't even know why uh, no that word was a word. Uh, that word, I, I don't got know if that's a real word. I was really confused I got by it. that. I, wasn't happy. I got
1: it in five also, but it's one of those yeah. where the fourth try should have been it. PFTPM, not fun with Wordle. Shereen Williams, who does Wordle every single day, as far as I know. I don't know. Hello, Shereen. How are you?
2: Hi, Mike. I get Wordle right every single day, first try. You know why? Because I don't do it. I'm That's not good. getting sucked You've in. Never I'm not lost. getting sucked in.
1: You've never lost at Wordle, just never like lost. I haven't gotten a single game wrong in the NCAA men's tournament bracket or women's for the past 20 years. Haven't gotten yes. a single game wrong like that in either bracket. So uh, I, I would assume that you – now, Wordle is based on five-letter words. You probably have been uttering some four-letter words in recent days because you've had some technical issues, but they are now solved. You're very happy about that.
2: I have my monitor now. It's nice to see the show. I've gone probably six months without a real monitor. It's beautiful. It's in color and everything. and It's not shaking around. It's It's gorgeous. So it's good to see you, well, Mike, finally. First time in six months I've really seen you.
1: You may be able to see the sweat beating on my forehead. I got my workout in. <laughs> I was late. The shower didn't take, so at some point I'm going to have to dab while there's a single on you, and then they're going to cut back to me while I'm dabbing, which won't be good. All right, let's uh, let's let's get to the news, unless there's anything else that we can waste time about. Sims and I did talk today for a while <laughs> about Wordle, and then we did, we I think we spent a lot of time talking about Wordle. I persuaded him to try it. I'm very interested to see whether or not he got today's wordle word and whether or not he gets sucked into it he definitely needs help with the vocabulary given that he went to the university of texas all right uh let's get to it we're just exactly. kidding sorry longhorns we're just kidding horns up. no we're not uh, horns down <laughs> shireen says horns down i say horns up uh all right uh saints uh, look we don't know what they're going to be this year they're one of those teams where you have a hard time determining what the expectations really are for the Saints because Sean Payton's gone, but they've got a lot of great players that are still there. I don't know what they're going to do with those two first-round picks they have. Are they going to try to trade up and get a quarterback? Are they fine with Jameis Winston? I don't know. But Traquan Smith had something to say about coming back to the Saints, about Jameis Winston coming back, and about what the Saints could possibly be this year on offense. Here's Traquan Smith.
2: Uh, it's a good feeling. Uh, New Orleans is honestly like home for me. That's all I know. I've been here my uh, entire time uh, through, uh, from when I left college. And, um, and just honestly, being around Jameis again, uh, a wonderful, a wonderful teammate, a wonderful guy just in general. Uh, last year, we had some things planned, but uh, I think a lot of things went sideways. And uh, honestly, it's another opportunity, you know, to really start what we were supposed to have last year. So, um, honestly, I feel good to be back, and I'm happy I'm back.
1: He also said they will be putting on one hell of a show. Now, the big difference is Sean Payton is gone. We'll see what kind of a job Pete Carmichael can do running the offense. We'll see how involved Dennis Allen is on the offensive side of the ball. He's a defensive coordinator who has done a great job and had been overlooked. The Saints should be very happy that Dennis Allen had been overlooked for as long as he was by other teams because it made him available when Sean Payton inevitably left. But, you know, Shereen, you look at the NFC, you look at the flow of talent from that conference to the AFC, two great teams right now in my mind in the NFC, the Rams and the Bucks. and the Saints have swept the Bucks in the regular season in the last two years. The Saints could make things very interesting in that division and in that conference.
2: Well, and guess what? DA is a big part of, of why the, the Saints have swept the box. And I got to listen to him a little bit last week, and it was fun to hear him as a head coach again. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dennis Allen's. I'm glad he finally got his second opportunity to make good in the NFL. Of course, he was with the Raiders, and and that didn't work out. And I think it took way too long for him to get that second opportunity. But, yeah, when you start to look at teams that could compete, if they could stay healthy, I agree with Trey Connors. Quan Smith, that if Jameis Winston can stay healthy, five and two last season when he started before he tore that ACL, of course, they played no games with Michael Thomas. If he could get back to what he did, even in 2019, 2018, 2019, of course, he had the 145 149 receptions. But if you get back even to what he did in 2018, 2017, The Saints are going to be really good on offense, and it does depend a lot on what Pete Carmichael does with that offense, how different it is than with Sean Payton, because I still believe Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds, probably in NFL history, with what he's been able to do, some of the things on offense. But Pete Carmichael gets his chance to call those plays, and I'm just i excited by this team, Mike, because I think they could be really good. I think they could surprise people. They could win that division. The Bucks better not overlook them because the Saints are contenders in that division.
1: Now, with the talk about receivers being traded, and receivers obviously have been traded, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. There's chatter we'll talk about coming up about DK Metcalf. There's been some talk about A.J. Brown. Michael Thomas, Sims and I were spitballing on this the other day, but I pulled up his contract. They restructured him earlier this year. He's staying this year. The cap hit would be beyond crippling if they traded him now. So maybe in a year or later, but they're all in with Thomas this year, and maybe they have found a way to hit a reset button to try to get him back in the fold, to get him pointed in the right direction. The team had concerns about him. I think he had some concerns about how the team was treating him, and I think after two years of him hardly playing at all, he may only played part yeah. of week one in 20. 20- Twenty when he injured the ankle against the Bucks. I don't think he came back at all that season. Definitely didn't play last year. So there's a reason for him to get started from square one, and there's a reason for the team to hope that he can get back to being the guy he used to be. Bruce Arians, who once coached Larry Fitzgerald with the Arizona Cardinals, admits that he tried last year to get Fitzgerald to join the Buccaneers. And I know one of my crazy offseason takes in 2021, Shereen, was – that Larry yeah. Fitzgerald at some point would reunite with Tom Brady, not reunite, but unite with Tom Brady, reunite with Bruce Arians, with the Buccaneers. Let's hear from Arians on his efforts, as he claims, to get Larry Fitzgerald to be a member of the Bucs last season.
2: Have you ever tried to get Larry to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> you know what, I'm, I... What do you mean you did, B.A.? I mean, you tried to get him to to play there with Tom Brady?
1: Yeah, when we lost our guys and uh, yeah, especially when Chris Goblin got hurt, I called
2: Fitz and he said, Coach, I couldn't run two plays right now, but thanks. That's it. <laughs> I just had to check, brother.
1: <laughs> Makes sense. They had that need. Goblin gets injured. A.B. Yeah. does A.B. things and gets run off the field by Bruce Arians. I, I thought that maybe Fitzgerald would do it, but you know, there's something to be said for keeping yourself in football shape. And if you don't work at it all the time, it is hard to get yourself ready to go. I thought Fitzgerald would try to make a run for a Super Bowl win. He's been to one Super Bowl. I thought he'd make a try at some point last year. It wasn't meant to be, but that would have been something. I don't know that he would have made a difference in the playoff loss to the Rams, but who knows? His leadership, the ability that he has left, if he could have gotten himself ready, it could have made things interesting for the Bucks in the postseason.
2: Well, he certainly couldn't have heard, at least from a leadership standpoint, Mike, but it's obvious that he, when he said he was retired, he was retired, and I know he sort of left that door open, but it's obvious based on what B.A. said that he didn't stay in football shape, and you do have to stay in football shape, you can't just get up off the couch and and go play, you know, and what Eric Weddle did was pretty amazing last year and and maybe Larry Fitzgerald could have gotten in a good enough shape to have helped the team in the postseason. I don't know, uh, but he certainly would have helped from a leadership position. But when they lost Antonio Brown and then Chris Godwin, when they lost both of those guys, to me, they just weren't the same offense and they did need a shot in the arm at that position. And they didn't have it in the postseason. And those young guys didn't step up like they did the year before against the Packers when they made some plays really in the championship game that put them over the top. And those young guys didn't step up. So they probably could have used him. It would have given Larry Fitzgerald a chance to go win a Super Bowl. But he didn't do it. It's obvious now he's retired. He's not coming back, Mike.
1: Fitzgerald was once upon a time a top three draft pick as the 2022 draft approaches. The Buccaneers added a pair Of former first round picks today they signed Keanu Neal who spent his initial seasons with the Falcons and then last year with the Cowboys he's played safety he's played linebacker he was picked number 17 six years ago in the 2016 draft and they also bring back the great Gabbard Blaine Gabbard most underrated player in the NFL according to Bruce Arians we don't know whether that was before or after a few cocktails on a Friday night or any night ending in Y but Gabbard, not a surprise he's back and never really lived up to his top ten status. Keanu Neal, I look, good not great. Never, never really a superstar player, but good enough to have a role with the Cowboys last year, good enough to land with the Bucks this year. He wasn't a guy that there was a land rush for early in free agency, which means either he wanted too much money or teams just weren't interested, or maybe a little bit of both. But now he's got a landing spot with the Bucks, and you know they're they're doing what they can to try to improve their team Shireen.
2: Yeah, Mike, you know, I I think you know, the Cowboys probably played him in the wrong position out of need. They played him at linebacker last year, and he played 61% of the defensive snaps. And now they're going to move him back to safety. And that safety position is so important in Todd Bull's defense. And you know how many injuries they had in their secondary last year. They are in great shape at safety despite losing Jordan Whitehead. I mean, Logan Ryan they signed. They've got Winfield and, and Mike Edwards back and now they've added Keanu Neal. And I just think they're really set up at that safety position to be really good there. And in case they have injuries, they're really set up depth wise at those two positions on the back end of their defense. So I like what they've done at the safety position. And it's just, it's Tom Brady. I don't know if he recruited Keanu Neal, but everybody wants to go play with Tom Brady because they know Mike, they have a chance to win a Super Bowl when Tom Brady's their quarterback.
1: Well, Keanu Neal had a chance as a rookie to win a Super Bowl against Tom Brady. It didn't didn't work out. Falcons fans, we won't go any farther than to say (laughs) it didn't work out. He was a pro bowler in 2017, but injuries really knocked him off in 2018, 2019. He appeared in four total games between those two seasons and then finished his career in Atlanta in 2020. And I get a lot of my... Basic statistical information from profootballreference.com. That's pro- – is it a dash? It's a dash. Football-reference.com. dash I don't know where they get their nicknames for players. I don't know if you've ever noticed this.
2: Yeah, I have. But they'll they'll put the nickname.
1: And it's like, is it just some random nickname generator? (laughs) Yeah. Because they have Keanu Neal's nickname as The Matrix. I've never heard – Keanu Neo referred to by any nickname definitely not the matrix so I don't know where they're getting these doesn't Dak Prescott have a weird nickname in here too the fortress what is that have you ever heard of Dak Prescott referred to by anyone anytime any place anywhere as the fortress
2: I miss that one if he's called the fortress I'd totally miss that one yeah a lot of them Mike I, I haven't seen very many that match up to what their what their nicknames are there aren't many good I, nicknames anyway in the NFL.
1: I just don't get it. I think somebody's messing with us. I think someone is messing with us. I think they are just making up these nicknames and seeing if any of them will stick. That's it. All right. <laughs> um, Stefan Diggs. He got his new contract today. Now, this is a prime example of we need to wait to see what the contracts are really worth. And I went off on it this morning. I'm not going to get myself all worked up again today. Prison Mike is taking the afternoon off. But... We know what happens. The agents send out the text messages. The reporters who are on that treadmill, who are plugged into the Matrix, not the Keanu New Matrix, but the Keanu Reeves Matrix. Maybe that's why they call him the Matrix. You know, it only took <laughs> yeah. me five minutes to have that connection made. But I digress. Um, they, they get that text. They copy and paste it. They tweet it. They never stop to think, is it accurate? And then we find out later what the truth really is. We'll see what Stefan Diggs really got. Then we'll have a data point a few days from now that we can use to figure out what other receivers may or may not get as they do more of these deals. But the reality is the receiver market, at a time when, Shireen, more and more great young receivers are coming into the NFL every single year, the high-end receivers are getting paid like never before. It's hard to reconcile that.
2: It really is, and you almost see the receiver position, because colleges now use receivers much like the NFL does, and they come in much more prepared. Remember when Randy Moss had his rookie season, we go, oh my gosh, a rookie receiver has never had a season like this. Now you expect these guys really just to step in and have great rookie seasons, and a lot of them do. And and so, to me, the receiver position is becoming somewhat like the running back position in that... You can get guys in the third, fourth, fifth round who are really good receivers. You look at a guy like Michael Gallup, for instance, and the Cowboys paid him this offseason to to stay around and got rid of Amari Cooper, who was a first-round draft pick. So I'm kind of surprised that that the salaries are going up like they have when you have these guys ready to come in and step in out of college, into the NFL – and really do what these guys have done over the past few years as rookies. It doesn't take them very much time to get into a system and really make good, Mike, and we're seeing that. But, yeah, they're still paying these veteran receivers, and I expect DK Metcalf to get his money uh, despite, you know, not really having put up the kind of stats that you see Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and some of these other guys put up. To me, he hasn't done that quite yet. But he's going to get his money, too. So it is kind of interesting where the receiver position is going right now, Mike.
1: Uh, and uh, it's funny. Erin, our producer, said something to me earlier, and I wasn't sure what it was. And she was telling me what I eventually figured out. Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. Keanu Neal. Oh, that's yeah. the connection. Hello. Although, yeah, you know, okay. Curly Neal. That's they could have called him Curly. They could have called him Curly. <laughs> Wouldn't Curly be a better yeah. Curly Neal? Remember Curly Neal? Yeah. We're, curly we're getting Neal. to the point yeah. where there aren't many people out there who know who Curly yeah. Neal was. And I actually feel sad for the people out there. Like Miles Simmons, I guarantee you, has no idea who Curly Neal was because he was famous before Miles was born. And I'm starting to think that in Miles' mind, nothing happened in the world. The human species was <laughs> uh-huh. hunter-gatherers before 1991, late September when Miles was born. All right, uh, let's move along. But we'll wait to see what the Diggs contract is. But uh, before we move along, yeah. it, this is the equivalent of the best veteran running backs getting 20 million plus per year that's what that means yeah because you can find young guys to play receiver just like you can find young guys to play running back and when you get a running back who gets big money very rarely does he ever get big money from another team that's one dynamic in the nfl star running backs get their big paydays typically from the team they became a star with not some other team and I think part of it, too, is the tread goes off the tire more quickly for running back, Shireen. That's that's one of the reasons why they don't get big money because you're paying them for what you think they're going to do. And after four or five years in the NFL, you're starting to think that maybe they're going to break down sooner than later. Receivers can keep it going longer than that.
2: Well, and possibly you know, the Chiefs are rolling the dice that they can get a guy to replace Tyreek Hill, much like, frankly, the Vikings did when they traded Stephon Diggs, and that worked out, as I've said, very few of these trades are win-wins. To me, that was a win-win trade because the Bills got Diggs, and the Vikings ended, ended up getting Justin Jefferson, who, in my mind, is just as good as Diggs. So they replaced a good receiver with a good receiver, and it worked out for them. Chiefs are gambling. They can do that same thing. I don't see them trading for a veteran receiver. I see them going the rookie route and thinking that they can maybe draft a couple rookies to fill in and become the next Tyree Hill or whoever it may be. But some teams are investing in these veteran guys who are proven, and other teams are going to say, hey, we're going the cheaper route because we think they're just as good as, as the guys that we're replacing them with.
1: The Vikings have found in – The first round of the draft, some spectacular rookie receivers over the years, going back to Sammy Wade, who I think was a first-rounder in 76, Randy Moss in 98, Percy Harvin in 2009, and Justin Jefferson. The one guy that really stands out is Troy Williamson. He's the guy that the Vikings drafted with the first-round pick they got from the Raiders. It was a top-ten pick. And that was just too much pressure on Troy Williamson to come in and replace Randy Moss. That was a disaster for the Vikings. But they've had good luck with receivers in round one, and they hit it big with Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson, who's not yet eligible for a second contract, has to be looking at recent developments in the receiver market and thinking, I'm eventually getting mine somewhere, from the Vikings or from somewhere else. I am getting mine. All right, The DK Metcalf situation is something we've already addressed. Is he going to get his? Who's he going to get it from? There was a report from Howard Eskin of WIP in Philadelphia today that the Jets were willing to offer the 10th overall pick in the draft to the Seahawks for DK Metcalf, but the Seahawks plug their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 not listening. They're not taking any offers at all. Now, if that's true, I think that's stupid. How do you not listen? You've already traded your one supposedly untouchable player. In Russell Wilson you don't know what someone's going to offer you why would you without a proven quarterback currently with a guy who's a year away from the franchise tag why would you not listen to whatever the offer may be just listen it costs yeah. nothing to listen and I, I don't know maybe they're not trying to create momentum toward it becoming inevitable that he's going to be traded but if this report's true and I don't know that it is I just thought it was interesting I think it's stupid by the Seahawks to not at least listen to what anyone would have to offer.
2: I find it hard to believe, Mike, that they don't at least listen to offers because as you pointed out on here before, almost every player in the NFL can be had at the right price. There are very few untouchable guys in the NFL. He's certainly not one of the untouchable guys. If the Seahawks can get value for him in this rebuild mode that we think they're in, why not do it? Why not try to create a market and get even more than the 10th overall pick for DK Metcalf? Because maybe you can't. So... I'm I'm surprised if that's true that they're not listening to offers and I'll be surprised if if somebody doesn't offer them enough that it entices them to trade him I mean when you're in rebuild mode Mike you need more than DK Metcalf to help put you over the top I mean how many passes is he gonna have in this offense with drew Locke throwing the ball to him as it stands now.
1: And, you know, another thing Sims and I talk about all the time, they don't design plays for DK Metcalf. They don't right. use the bubble screens, the jet sweeps. They don't jet put him in sweep. the backfield. You can make him Debo Samuel. It's He's Superman. This guy yeah. is Superman, and they don't use him. It's just run down the field, get open, and maybe we'll throw the ball to you. Maybe we won't. That's not getting value. Just like with Russell Wilson. They never used Russell Wilson like a true franchise quarterback. They kept paying him like one. They never used him like one. So at some point they trade him to a team that will. With DK Metcalf, maybe at some point you trade him to a team that will use him like a Debo Samuel, that will get the most out of the incredible things he can do. I'm not ready to assume this is going anywhere. And I thought it was funny. Most of the reaction to this Howard Eskin report was people reporting the Jets didn't offer the 10th overall pick. Uh, folks, you got to pay attention to what the report was. He said they weren't prepared said. to, but the Seahawks won't even listen. And I think it would take more than the 10th overall pick to get him, but... To me, the news was the Seahawks don't care what you're offering; they're just not interested.
2: Yeah, and again, I find that surprising, Mike. I, I just if they if they offered me enough for DK Metcalf, I'm taking that. Trying to build my team uh, through the draft, rebuild my team through the draft, try to get a quarterback. Again, I think you can find good receivers in the draft, so. If I'm a Seahawks, I am trying to build this up and get me a ton of draft picks for DK Metcalf what I can. I certainly would take the 10th pick and maybe something else, future picks, and try to rebuild my team because he, he is not going to put the Seahawks over the top as it stands right now, Mike. And eventually, as you said, you're going to have to pay him. Are they willing to do that?
1: Some have been suggesting that the Packers are a team that potentially would trade for DK Metcalf, but... If they didn't keep Devontae Adams, and I know, oh, they offered him more money than the Raiders, but you know what? They didn't offer him the money back when they could have gotten him to sign the deal. If you offer him the money back in November, he's going to take the money. You wait until you get him on the cusp of free agency and you apply the franchise tag, and he says, you know what? I'm out of here. That's different altogether. I just don't think it fits with the Packers' style to give up draft yep. capital for a guy that's going to want 27, $28 million per year, maybe more and you're only going to get value out of him for one year. What I've been saying all along is that they're trading for any receiver it should be Chase Claypool because he's a year away yeah. from even being eligible for a second contract, and I think maybe the Steelers have decided behind the scenes he's a little yeah, a little, little divish, little-ish, and you throw on top of it, they're not going to have a great quarterback this year. It, it could get worse before it gets better if Chase Claypool is heading down the path where he's going to become a pain in the butt. I don't know that I buy that narrative, but I keep thinking about the play and the aftermath against the Vikings on that Thursday night where he celebrated after getting a first down and ended up really minimizing the opportunities of the Steelers to keep that game going. Anyway, all that said, the Packers likely will draft a receiver and George Pickens was among the wideouts who have taken pre-draft visits with the Packers. Here's George Pickens at the scouting combine talking about who he models his game after. Yeah, I, I watch Devontae Adams a
0: lot. Uh, I'm bigger than Devontae Adams. but uh, That's kind of the lane I want to kind of go into with the size I am because a guy who can move is almost unguardable. Um, I, I, and I see
2: this
1: name, George Pickens, Shereen. Maybe pro football reference will give him the nickname of Slim. That's another one that Miles <laughs> won't know who we're talking about. I remember Slim Pickens riding a nuclear warhead at uh, the end of Dr. Strangelove. But, uh, but I digress. Hey, if, if the Packers are looking for a Devontae Adams replacement, they should, they should look for a guy who models his game after Devontae Adams.
2: Well, absolutely, Mike. And you look at their depth chart, and you're going, yeah, they're going to be drafting some receivers if not trading for receivers. And I'm with you. I think they end up drafting receivers, and I think they draft more than one receiver. But when you look at Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Amari Rogers as their top three receivers— that is not going to fit sit well with, with Aaron Rodgers. He wants more than, than those three guys, and he wants somebody who can be a true number one receiver. And it's going to take a, a couple picks probably for the Packers to try to find that guy, Mike, but they've got to fill in a huge hole there with Devontae Adams' departure.
1: One thing they need to do, they need to involve Aaron Rodgers in this scouting process. Yeah. They need to give him film to watch. They need to get his input. They need him to buy in to who they eventually take they need to get him on board they need to give him a voice they need to give him a role because he's going to be expected to embrace this guy whoever it is the more they have aaron Rodgers feeling like he's been part of this process maybe the greater chance he embraces a guy takes it takes a chance trusts a guy it's not going to be easy for the packers to replace their number one receiver and uh they're going to try to do it i presume through the draft and not through some sort of a trade let's go ahead and take a break An interesting story in the New York Times today based on a very interesting letter that was sent by six high-profile and powerful prosecutors to the NFL demanding action or else. We'll get you up to speed on that when this Wednesday edition of PFTPM continues right after this.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.
1: story from the New York Times today. The Times has obtained a letter that was signed by six attorneys general, not attorney generals, attorneys general, trying to get it right. Six different attorneys general who are troubled by the allegations and incidents of workplace misconduct, harassment, specifically directed to women and minorities. They want the NFL to show that they are making progress toward changing. And if not, they could face a broad investigation. The Six states involved are New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Washington State, and, drumroll please, Oregon. We were talking about this during the break. How does Oregon have any interest in this whatsoever? There is no team in Oregon. There are no NFL events in Oregon. There are no connections to the NFL to Oregon other than The NFL drafts players who go to Oregon or Oregon State. That's it. And people in Oregon watch football games on TV and maybe drive to Seattle to watch the Seahawks. But that was odd to me. I would assume that at least it's going to be attorneys general from states where an NFL team is located. But regardless, regardless, Shereen, Congress typically worries about, or not Congress, the NFL typically worries about Congress getting involved in things that would be troubling to the public interest. The NFL also needs to be worried about Prosecutors and the attorneys general of the various states are the top prosecutors who make some pretty big decisions about investigations and potential prosecutions of major wrongdoing. So, you don't want, especially New York Attorney General Letitia James, who is extremely skilled and extremely aggressive, and if extremely motivated, you are in extremely deep doo doo if you're on the other side of one of her investigations. You don't want these folks picking around if you're the nfl you better get your house in order
2: well and mike this story is troubling to me and i did have a couple of questions uh, out that came out of it it's 30 former employees they described experiencing a demoralizing culture and female staff members had to watch the ray rice elevator video my question is why would you have female staff members watch that what would be the purpose and my second question would be Is it only female staff members, or did male staff members also have to watch that? That was very confusing to me, and I don't know what the point of having them watch that video would be, Mike.
1: I don't know why anybody should have to watch it. I don't know why that video would be appropriate workplace viewing anywhere when i looked at the list of concerns i i texted the pft text thread i said this kind of this sounds like the stuff michael scott did season one of the office before they tried to make him likable this is just weird goofy random unhinged behavior by supervisory employees asking people in a public forum to stand up and say if they've been the victims of domestic violence, like anybody would ever want to talk about that in any setting. It's just very strange that this is the kind of the kind of stuff that came out. And 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 just so we're clear, there was a New York Times report back in February that I don't remember mm-hmm. seeing. Maybe it was happening during I Super Bowl week or whatever. You know, sometimes what happens is people drop news during Super Bowl week thinking it's gonna make a splash, and what happens is it gets ignored because there's so much going on. But I want to go back and look at that initial report that apparently triggered this letter from the six attorneys general, because this is different from the -the run-of-the-mill controversies we're aware of, not to demean any of them or downplay any of them, but we know about a lot of stuff. This isn't about the stuff we know about. This isn't about Washington, troubling as it may be. This isn't about the Cowboys cheerleaders voyeurism scandal that we know about, troubling as it may be. This is other stuff altogether that only compounds the concerns we already have, and I know from talking to people around the league and talking to people from the union over the years, there's a thought that it's just a matter of time before there is a sufficiently ambitious, motivated, and smart prosecutor who convenes a, green, a grand jury. Federal federal happens in so much secrecy; you have no idea it's going on until it's time to issue indictments. It's amazing with all the things that we've seen happen. That the NFL hasn't had that kind of a probe that targets some type of criminal activity that is happening when these controversies play out. Because if you really want to delve into the details of things that just seem wrong, if you apply the laws on the books to things that viscerally seem wrong, chances are you're going to find something, some statute that was violated in the process of getting to this end result that we look at and say, that just seems wrong.
2: Well, and Mike, you laid it out in your story about the various scandals that the NFL has faced and is facing uh, over the past year. And I don't know if there has been a worse calendar year in NFL history than what we've seen over the last calendar year. When you think about the Brian Flores litigation and what might still come out of that, when you think of John Gruden getting fired off of the commander's investigation, Dan Snyder and the congressional hearings the Cowboys voyeurism, cheerleader voyeurism scandal. I mean, the Deshaun Watson situation that's still ongoing, 22 civil lawsuits he still faces in that. So it's just been one thing after another. And and it does, I mean, we talked about when the command, when at the time Washington football team, when that first came out, that this could be the tip of the iceberg. I just read this story going, is this the tip of the iceberg? How much more is going to come out of this? How much more is going to come out of Brian Forrest? How much more is going to come out of the Washington football team? This, to me, is just bad for the NFL. And and it's been a bad calendar year, and I don't know how much more bad there is to come out, but it just seems like there's going to be more bad. It just feels like there's going to be more bad for the NFL.
1: Well, we uh, remember this. We reported 10 days ago that an amended complaint is coming in the Brian Flores litigation yeah. that will have two new plaintiffs and two new teams at least as defendants, two new plaintiffs making similar claims to what Brian Flores has made. So that's about to come back to the front burner for the NFL, and that's not going away anytime soon. And you know what? From the standpoint of those of us who would like to see justice done and would like to see things happen in yeah. the public eye so... This wrongdoing gets aired out. People have a chance to to articulate their grievances in a public forum. The attorneys general exploring some sort of a potential action that could be taken. That's very concerning to the NFL because we know what we're expecting in the Brian Flores case. We've already seen it in the John Gruden case. Job number one, take the case to arbitration. Private arbitration away from the public eye, away from the media, away from accountability for anything, not just accountability from a public verdict, but accountability from a public display of witness testimony, documents and other evidence that would let people who have access to the information, who find it online, who read the reports that are out there, they can look at it and say, my gosh, I view the NFL very differently based upon what has come out. They're very good at burying that. And this, if it goes anywhere, and it may just be a shot across the bow aimed at getting the NFL to do something about its problem and to show progress. That's one of the benefits, because people say, don't these people have better things to do? They have other things to do. They don't necessarily have better things to do. This is part of what they do. They are operating in the public interest and one of the most prominent organizations in the country. The one entity that can put something on TV and get 20 to 30 million people to tune in at the same time to watch it at a time when nothing else has that power over the populace, if that group has serious workplace issues, it needs to be taken seriously. So I support it 100%. And hey, if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. But there's enough smoke that I think somebody needs to go looking for fire. And they either need to put out the fire on their own or they need to let some sort of public process, do it for them.
2: Well, and Mike, the New York Attorney General has been very aggressive in going after these companies and employers who, who do workplace misconduct. I mean, the, the, the list is, is extremely long. She's been very aggressive in that. So as a lawyer here, what's the next step? Because basically they said, take care of this or else, but, but how does the NFL A prove that they're taking care of this and what happens next in this? How do they prove to, to these attorneys general that they're doing, trying to fix this problem?
1: Well, I think it will spark a dialogue between the NFL and the attorneys general. If Letitia James is leading the charge, and it makes sense because the NFL is headquartered in New York and has a team there, obviously, in the Buffalo Bills, even though there are two other teams named New York, we know they don't actually do business in New York. But you, you have maybe a meeting you sit down and talk things through you have the nfl persuade you that things are going to happen you develop relationships with people who work there who can give you information off the grid as to whether or not things are changing there are ways to monitor there are ways to investigate there are ways to find out whether or not the nfl is making things better or stepping into a bigger problem so this is all good news for the people who work for the nfl work for the teams people have dealt with a lot of crap and One of the reasons why, and look, I deal with this all the time. I deal with this all the time. Why do you hate the NFL? Why do you cause problems for the very thing that you make a living off of? And that is so ridiculous. When you take a step back and ask yourself, does the shield, does the fact that it's the NFL, does that give it license to do whatever it wants? Does that give it freedom to treat its employees poorly? Is that a license to be... And I'm searching for the right words that aren't curse words. But is that, is that license to be a jerk? Is that license to treat people a certain way? Somebody needs to be in a position to say, hey, folks, you're not living up to the shield. They spend all the time, and that's the hypocrisy of it. They spend all the time demanding that the players never undermine the shield if there's stuff going on in Dan Snyder's organization, in Jerry Jones' organization, in any of the organizations or in the league office that doesn't live up to the shield. The individuals, the stewards of those organizations need to be held accountable. We just can't assume that they all have clean hands because they demand that the players have clean hands.
2: Well, and that's it, Mike. And Roger Goodell's talked many times about owners, coaches, general managers, those within the league office being held to an even higher standard than what the players are. I have yet to see that. I haven't seen that in the Dan Snyder case. I haven't seen that in anything yet, and I haven't seen it in this. So we'll see what transpires out of all this stuff. It's certainly not complete yet. Haven't seen it out of the Dolphins, out of the Brian Flores case. So a lot yet to to be said in all of this. But I want to see these people held at least to the standard that they hold players to, but also at a higher standard because that's what Roger Goodell repeatedly has said. We hold ourselves to a higher standard than even the players.
1: And that's bullcrap. I'm sorry. All due respect, that is a lie. That is not the truth. They don't do it. And the reason we know they don't do it is because they've buried the Daniel Snyder, Washington Commander's evidence. If any of the stuff came out, not any of it, but there's surely something that would come out yep. if there was transparency that people could potentially react to and say, this guy can't own the team anymore. So they've kept it hidden. They've kept it secret because they want to protect the other owners from ever being in a similar situation. And then we have the back and forth last week. Well, Daniel Snyder is no longer in day-to-day control yeah, right? of the team. He's not back yet. And then the Washington Times says he is. And the NFL just shrugs at it. they don't even say we're going to investigate it. They don't say the Washington Times was wrong. It was almost surreal last week. Let me just recount. On Tuesday, the commissioner says, Daniel Snyder, still not in day-to-day control of the team. Wednesday, Washington Times, yes, he is. I asked the league, do you care to comment on what the Washington Times says? Well, Rogers already addressed this. Right, but since then, (laughs) since then, a publication has said that what Rogers said isn't true. So you're just not going to say anything? You're just going to let that go? You're just going to ignore it? it's it's amazing to me so uh this, this is all investigations discussions accountability that is fair and proper especially because they always look to hold the players to the highest possible standard yeah. and for the people who aren't on the field they're inclined to look the other way all right we need to take a break when we return we'll go in a different direction two and on is back And Mike McDaniel is making his presence known with the Miami Dolphins. We'll discuss that team, one of the most intriguing teams in the AFC, right after this.
2: Here, Tua non-brethren, in light of the recent Chris Long feud and some of the other Tua slander done by the fake news sports media, we thought it was a good time to go over some of the ways you can combat the Tua doubters. You can use this as a method to win over new members.
1: Tuanon is real. Tuanon is watching the zealous fans of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And, hey, we've already established this. No excuses for Tua in 2022. No Offensive line better. Receivers better. Running backs better. Defense very good last year. Same defensive coordinator in Josh Boyer. Mike McDaniel, a very fascinating young coach. For as dysfunctional as the Dolphins got after firing Brian Flores, they really did find their way out of the weeds and they to me are one of the most fascinating teams in an incredibly difficult conference I still think they're a team to watch and a team that could make it to the playoffs Shereen
2: yeah and it is interesting Mike when players start talking about a new coach and the energy he brings and how excited they are by a new coach They haven't lost a game yet. They haven't had disputes about playing time. They haven't had injuries. It's easy to talk about a new coach and and be happy about the new coach. But I understand why they're excited about Mike McDaniel. He does seem like an exciting coach who's going to kind of bring maybe a different energy, as Xavier Howard said today, who, by the way, has become the longest tenured guy on that team now at six years, 28 years old. So, got the contract done. So, he, of course, is happy and happy with the direction that the team is going. We'll see if, if it's all going to come down to Tua and how he plays. If he plays well, this team has a chance to do special things. If he doesn't, the Dolphins are going to have another quarterback next season, perhaps Tom Brady, as you've alluded to.
1: Oh, and the Tom Brady thing, let me just say this. I haven't, I haven't pressed pause and mentioned this recently. That was real. That was happening. He hadn't retired yet. Where, when did he actually t- retire? He retired, yeah, what was it? Uh, February 1, right? Yeah, it was the day Brian Flores yeah. filed his lawsuit. That was, it got overshadowed very quickly by Brian yeah. Flores filing his lawsuit. He was going to be, I'm told, by multiple sources, introduced as a minority owner of the Dolphins Super Bowl week. That was the plan at the time he retired. And then a coach was going to be hired. A coach who had recently <laughs> stepped away from the New Orleans Saints. And then at some point in the spring, Tom Brady was going to unretire and play for the team that he now owns a piece of after working a deal with the Buccaneers to get his rights from Tampa Bay to Florida. But the first step was going to be Tom Brady becoming a minority owner of the Dolphins and the Dolphins admitted privately when we reported that the Dolphins were exploring a Sean Payton and Tom Brady package deal a few weeks back that they did consider selling minority interest in the team to Tom Brady it was more than that it was locked and loaded it was happening the Flores lawsuit pulled the plug on the whole thing and uh next year let's see what happens because next year no contract for Tom Brady in Tampa no franchise tag, no transition tag. He goes wherever he wants. He can go straight to Miami in 2023. And if this Mike McDaniel deal ends up being good for them and this new energy and he's an offensive genius, maybe exactly what Brady's looking for, Shereen.
2: Well, it sure might, Mike, and which is why that Tua is out of excuses this year. This is his year. This is probably his last year in Miami to prove that, that he's the guy that they thought they were getting when they used the fifth overall pick to get him. So he's, it's put-up-or-shut-up time. He can go out and play and lead them to the playoffs, and they commit to him as their franchise quarterback. He'll become eligible for a contract extension after this season, or they go a different direction. So it all depends on how he plays this season, Mike, as to what direction the team goes after this year.
1: So, on, I ask you, wouldn't you rather be Tommy non? Wouldn't you rather upgrade? Why do you resist? Why do fans of teams resist like Steelers fans? Don't want Baker Mayfield folks. You got Mitchell Trubisky like they, they, they have this very they circle the wagons and don't disrupt our effort to try to convince ourselves that the guys we currently have are good enough. Don't even mention the possibility of getting better players. We're too busy trying to convince ourselves that the guys we have are good enough. It's bizarre. You should always be thinking and looking and hoping that your team is going to find better players than the players that you already have. I'm astounded by that attitude. Do you sense the same thing? It's just odd. It's this weird denial. Like, we're good enough with these subpar players we have. Don't talk about possibly upgrading.
2: Well, and Baker's done more, I think, than Mitchell Trubisky has. Mitchell Trubisky did go to a Pro Bowl. I get it. He did go to the playoffs. I get it. But I would want more choices at quarterback, the most choices I could possibly get at quarterback to hopefully hit on one of those guys, Mike. Mike. And to me, it would be really a a low-risk, roll of the dice, and I I guarantee you Baker Mayfield would want to play for the Steelers and want to play really, really well for the Steelers because he would get to play the Cleveland Browns twice a year, every year. Wouldn't that just be glorious for him if he went to the Steelers and became the franchise quarterback that they thought they were getting when they drafted him, number one overall? He becomes that guy in Pittsburgh. That would be the ultimate stab in the back to the Cleveland Browns.
1: Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll take a stab into the PFTPM mailbag as we wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program right after this. Whitney Merciless announces his retirement after 10 seasons in the NFL. Had a great career with the Texans. It's just a reminder, though. I mean, there are great players that you never forget. And then there are players who played great for a period of time. But there's this constant churning of rosters year in and year out. And you could go through a list of guys who were Pro Bowl great players that you have to refresh your memory on. And Whitney Merciless kind of was already in that for me. I heard the name. It's like, oh, yeah, Whitney Merciless. He was a great player. But it just shows you how many great players there are in the NFL that it's so easy to forget some of them.
2: Well, it is. And when I heard he was retiring, I'm like, wait, he's not that old. And then, yeah, he he is. It's time. So, yeah, he's one of those guys who had some really good seasons there, Mike. But, yeah, you have to kind of – your memory has to be refreshed to to figure out what he did and how long he played in the NFL. It just doesn't seem like he played that long to me.
1: All right, let's go ahead and bust open the mailbag, Shammy. Shami, Daddy. I I I I don't hate the Twitter handles. I'm frustrated by the Twitter handles that I don't know what they are and i'm always concerned that it's some sort of a setup that it's some sort of inappropriate phrase that i'm not (laughs) realizing and i'm stepping right into it anyway someone asks this question sham i am daddy i don't know have to choose one quarterback to sign to a five-year 100 million dollar fully guaranteed contract who do you pick out of baker mayfield Jameis winston or jimmy garoppolo five years 100 million fully guaranteed which one are you taking
2: can I say none? I mean, I would be fired <laughs> as a GM if I did that to any of those guys, Mike. But I, I guess I would go with Jameis Winston. I mean, he is a guy who threw for 5,000 yards and over 30 touchdowns one season. I know he had the 30 interceptions to go with the 33 touchdowns. But nonetheless, you know, 5-2 and two last year for the Saints. I guess Jameis Winston, I really wouldn't commit that much to any of these guys, though.
1: Now, it depends on my team. Because if I'm a team that's looking at four wins, I would take Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G can take a four-win team and make it a nine- or a ten-win team. I would yeah. I would be inclined to do that. If I have a team that's middle of the pack, I'd be inclined to go Baker Mayfield. I don't know. Nah, as I say it, nah. Jameis Winston's got a 5,000-yard season. Only four yeah. people, I think, have thrown for more yards than him ever. He's eighth all-time. And the ones in front of him are are there twice, like Peyton Manning's there twice, Drew Brees is there twice. I think Ben Roethlisberger has more yards than him one year, and Tom Brady. He's in some elite company. Throwing for 5,109 yards, I think, is what he had in 2019. That's, That's big. That gets forgotten. All we think about is the 30 interceptions. The last one came on the last play of the season when he threw a pick six in overtime. I'd go Jimmy G if I had a bad team I was trying to make good. Between Winston and Mayfield, I'd go with Winston if I had a good team I was trying to make great.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I, Sorry, I know Baker. I Winston, I think. And I, and I get your, your Jimmy G reference there because I, I agree with you. If he's not going to get a team that's going to get you over the top to the Super Bowl, but he is going to make a four-win team better with four or five. If he stays healthy, though, Mike, that's been his problem. Well, and
1: that's why I, I, I am surprised there hasn't been more of a trade market, but the reality is he's got one year left on his contract, $25 million. Nobody's taking that contract, and all he has to say is, I'm not renegotiating anything. Just cut me. I'm not doing anything. And then he gets to pick wherever he wants to go. Rick Farrell, 68, in postseason overtime, is the onside kick still in play for the first kick? Will it steal the possession? Yes. I mean, it's opportunity to possess. So if the team that kicks off to start overtime does an onside kick, it then becomes sudden death. That's a given. That's the way it's always been because the receiving team has had an opportunity to possess. It's not a guaranteed possession. It's an opportunity. I don't know that anyone's going to do it, but you know what, Shereen? Now that you know you're guaranteed a possession, maybe you do a surprise onside kick because then you flip it around and a, a field goal at that point wins the game for you.
2: Well, we talked a lot, Mike, about the Bills-Chiefs games, that maybe the Bills should have done that in overtime, knowing that their defense was spent, that they should have tried the onside kick. And maybe you do it on the third possession. Say you've matched a field goal or matched a touchdown. Maybe you come back and go, hey, my defense is gassed at this point. I'm going to do it now on this third possession because I don't want to take a chance now that it's sudden death for them to go down and score again.
1: But I'm intrigued by the possibility of knowing that you're yeah. going to have a chance to match the opening drive.
2: It's true. Go ahead and
1: do an onside. Surprise them with an onside kick. If you if you see yeah. something, if your film study tells you there's an opening there, surprise them with an onside kick, and then you steal the game with a field goal. PFTP and Posse. Let's see here. You know what? It's 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 too long. We don't have enough time. Let's just fill. Let's. We've got third. We never have this. We never have time at the end of the show where let's let's where's the two and on Dolphin. Let's just listen to him for the rest of the show. Shereen, I'm dumbfounded. We usually take it right up to the post. I don't know if we have the two and on Dolphin or not. Shereen, you got anything to add? Time's yours. No, it, There's not much. I it, feel it's a quiet day in the NFL.
2: This is what we get when we get a quiet day in the NFL. It's going
1: to pick up soon. The draft is 22 days away. Now we are out of time. Thank you for your time. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?